Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. I'm going to break into a new series, and that's all we're going to do. Because uh, even in the midst of, if the Spirit of God moves in a particular way, um, how many know the written word is important? You know, the written word is the anchor in the spirit. There is a lot of uh, activity in our nation now that was actually more prevalent in other nations uh, rather than in America because of uh, America's continued decision to remove God from the government and from leadership. You know, the enemy is such a fool. But he is actually pretty good at his foolishness. (laughs) And uh, for years, he has driven on people who refuse to submit to the Lord and who choose to yield to him and then find positions of authority and they begin to speak lies about our nation. And uh, people accept that. Now, I'm not saying that America is... Uh, perfect by any means. You know, no nation is perfect. No, no people group is perfect. Um, but the enemy wants us to believe that we're never going to make it individually, that God won't fulfill what he's called us and uh, appointed to us to fulfill, and that God won't do what... He said he's going to do. But I've got good news. He's going to do it all. And if we will live close to him, he will do everything he said he would do in our lives individually. The enemy is the accuser of the brethren. So if you feel accused as a Christian, you know where it came from. The Lord doesn't minister by condemnation. He ministers by conviction. And there's a great difference between condemnation and conviction. The Lord does not condone our sin. But He does work to convince us that it'll kill us if we play with it long enough. (laughs) You know, sometimes people think, well, the church comes hard against sin. No, it's not the church. It's the Lord that has paid such a high price and desires that humanity not walk in that sin, not because God is just a hot-headed creator who, and, and, and God who uh, just can't stand it when people don't listen to his rules. It's because he knows that if we don't live in obedience to him and follow the instruction from his word, that that sin will kill Not God will kill, that sin will kill. Amen? If if God wanted us to be dead in our sin, all he would have had to do was nothing. He could have just left you alone. But he's in hot pursuit, amen? And so, 
the Spirit of the Lord, and we're going to be moving into talking about the anointing. We're not going to get real far into it this morning, but that's okay. This was a good introduction. There are those that are wanting to lead us down satanic worship. You know, when you're bored with God, something else is coming in. And it started out in America as a whole. It started out with perversions. There's always been the love of money, all of those things. But now it's increased to where there's just this blatant uh, attack of the enemy on this nation and on the church in this nation. Now, it hasn't turned to violence uh, on a level as it it is in other nations um, yet. Amen. Amen. So it is important and vital that we understand the anointing. Because the only way to win against our enemy is by the power and the assistance of God. And if we're not walking in the anointing and we're not walking in the spirit and, and, and uh, keeping ourselves out of the deeds of the flesh, then the enemy is going to take advantage of us. And so we need to be aware of what the anointing is and how the, excuse me, how the anointing operates in our lives. Amen? And so the demonstration of the Spirit or the power of God being in the room, what is that? That's the anointing. How many have sensed God this morning? That's the anointing. I'm going to make it a little simpler for you. I'm going to give you a technical definition because, you know, There's no point in studying all that if I'm not going to give you the definition. (laughs) But the anointing is the Holy Spirit. It is the manifest presence of God. And if we are going to not only win against our enemy, but have influence in this life, we have to know the Holy Spirit. We have to know who He is. Now, one of the things that the Lord had said to us A while back, the Lord had said this to me in a time of prayer, that he desires that this church walks consistently by faith and also enjoys frequent saturations from the Holy Spirit. Now, I love this next part because, you know, spirit-filled people need this, especially in today's spirit-filled environment. Because some, you know, we, we, we have different names for groups, right? They have Charismatics, there's Catholics, there's Baptists, there's Lutherans, there's uh, Methodists, there's, you know, and each group thinks they have the corner. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you this, if you believe Christ is the Son of God, and you've received Him into your heart as Lord and Savior, you're in the family, and I have yet to find in the description of heaven where the Catholic part of town is, You know, people say, well, charismatics and spirit-filled, where are they at? Well, that's where all the chandeliers are. (laughs) People say, well, where's the Baptist side of town? Those are all the people with a sad look on their face. (laughs) How many know Jesus loves all his kids? Every one of them. I mean, none of us, and I mean none of us, has it 100% right. Now, on Jesus, we can drill down and we can know that's the only way to to heaven. Amen? 
But none, so we don't want to get high and mighty. But I'm in the spirit-filled camp because that's where the Lord told me to be. And I love, I love our camp. I love who we are. But we get out of hand sometimes. And last I checked, the Lord is about decency and order. And what that looks like, the Bible has to define, not our dispositions or personal preferences. So not only does he want frequent saturations of the Holy Spirit, but this is what I was leading up to. And he said this to me, while maintaining emotional stability through spiritual maturity. Um, every one of us is at a different stage in learning from the Lord and developing spiritually. And we need to respect the Lord and honor His leadership in our life and yield to Him, especially those that are older in the Lord, and be patient with those that are younger in the Lord. Amen? You know, sometimes people think, well, during the worship, why did that person have to yell like that? Well, if you remember back to when you were saved first, and you got less stoic, or you were less stoic, you might have remembered what you were saved out of and how much the blood means in the life of Christ, right? People say, well, I was raised in church all my life. I'm not sure I was, you know, some people think they were, because they were born in church, that they didn't need the salvation of Christ. You may need it worse than the person who lived in the world because what's worse than thinking you don't need a Savior because your works are saving you? Because <laughs> they ain't. You don't want to depend on those. So the anointing, and what the anointing does is it helps us to live a life that glorifies God, not to earn salvation, but as a representation of what has already taken place on the inside. It's kind of like water baptism. Water baptism cannot save you. But what water baptism is, is it's an outward demonstration of an inward grace. In other words, there is a work that took place on the inside of me when I received Christ. And it is similar to the work that took place in Christ when he was on the cross. He went into death and then he was raised up out of the grave. When I stepped into, years ago, when I stepped into the baptismal at Faith Chapel when it was down near Central Hobbies. <laughs> that long ago. I stepped into that baptism tank. I didn't necessarily understand it then, but years later I learned it, probably because I was young and I didn't listen to what they were telling me when they baptized me. I was just thinking, oh God, don't let me drown. But what took place in water baptism is a representation of what took place in the Spirit. I was dead spiritually. But then I united myself with the, with the cross of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, and I went from being buried to raised up. I went from being dirty down in under the water to being raised up, washed clean with new life. I now have resurrection life on the inside of me. 
and you have resurrection life on the inside of you. And that resurrection life can also be called the anointing. You have the anointing in you right now if you're born again. Amen? So let's give a little definition to this. Isaiah chapter 10, verse number 27. Let's look at this word. Like I said, we're not going to get where I want to. I would have loved to get to my first point, which was Elijah and Mount Carmel. But I ain't getting there. But that's all right. Isaiah 10, 27, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the what? Now, it says anointing oil in the New King James, but in the King James, it says anointing. Now, I'm going to share this. This is going to make sense as you go, as we go. But the anointing, under the old covenant, oil was used as a representation of the Holy Spirit. So they would anoint things. And what were they saying? They were saying, this is God's. And in the natural, and we'll look at this with David before we quit, but in the natural, when the, when the anointing was applied, the Holy Spirit, it, it's a type, it's a metaphor for the Holy Spirit coming upon. So 1 John chapter 2, verse number 20 says this, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. So those are the two main scriptures that were, are, are kind of our main text for this series. The anointing did what in Isaiah 10, 27? It destroyed the yoke. What is a yoke? It's a bondage, right? It's something that ins it can be enslaving. When you think of a yoke on an animal, what do they do? What do they put that on there for? So you can control that animal, right? And so Israel at the time was under the control of another nation, but this is prophetic concerning Christ. In other words, the Lord was saying, look, because you've come back to me, I'm going to go ahead and put my anointing on you. And when my anointing is on you, what takes place? The yoke that the enemy has tried to enslave you with is what? And then you go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, and what does it say? Concerning children of God, because that's written to the New Testament church. It says what? That, the, that you have an anointing, and you know all things. Praise God. Now, as, as we understand what the anointing is more, you'll get more excited about it. Not that you're not, but you'll get more excited about it. So this word, as it appears in Isaiah 10, 27, is the Hebrew word shemen, S-H-E-M-E-N. Specifically, this word here means olive oil, perfume, or olive wood. It especially means liquid olive oil. It also means fatness. How many like ribeye steaks? Why? There's fatness in it. Or... The anointing <laughs> for all you lean steak eaters. 
In the Old Testament, this oil was used for various applications. Go ahead and jot these down. I don't know that we'll turn to them. Genesis chapter 28, verse 18, speaking of the anointing oil. Here we see Jacob taking the rock he used for a pillow and using it to set up a pillar, and then he poured oil on the pillar. What was he doing? He was saying, this place is anointed. Okay? That's Genesis chapter 28, verse 18. First Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. We see oil being used to anoint people to the offices they were called to. That specifically is David's uh, anointing, his ordination service on the side of a hill. Second Samuel chapter 14, verse 2. We see that oil was used for mourning. Now, if you think about these things in terms of Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will help you properly mourn. In other words, if you mourn as a Christian with the Holy Ghost, you'll never end up in depression. Amen. Psalms 23, the oil is used as a sign of rejoicing. That's Psalms 23, 5. Leviticus chapter 14, verse 17, the oil was applied to a person's earlobe, to their thumb, or to their toe as a means of cleansing. So if the anointing is the Holy Spirit, what else does the Holy Spirit do? He cleanses. 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 21 says the oil was used as a preservative on a leather shield. I like that. Exodus chapter 29, verse 2. It says the oil was used in baking. <laughs> Ezekiel chapter 27, verse 17. The oil was used in trade because it had many uses that made it valuable. In other words, it was a currency. So the, the Holy Spirit then has value beyond money. In the New Testament, the word anointing is not used that much. It is used four times. Two of them are in the same verse found in 1 John 2.27. Anointing in the New Testament is the Greek word chrisma or C-H-R-I-S-M-A and it means something that is smeared on something or someone like an ointment. This is seen in James chapter 5 verse 14. If any of you are sick, let them call for the elders of the church and let the elders come and anoint them with oil and the prayer of what? Faith will raise them up. Why anoint them with oil? It's a symbol of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now sometimes, you know, people think, well, I don't know why the church didn't just come find me to pray for me. But the scripture says that the church, the members are to call the elders. It doesn't say the other way around. Let's, let's uh, wrap up here with 1 Samuel. Let's turn to 1 Samuel 16. That's in the Old Testament. So if you're in the New, you're going to have to go to the left. 
If you're not sure, hopefully you have a uh, directory in your Bible. Or maybe your neighbor will say, right here. <laughs> First Samuel is right before Second Samuel. But if you don't know where either are, that's not going to help you. In order for, to give a general definition of the anointing, I want to point us back to 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13, and specifically verse 13, which says, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So we see from this verse that the anointing is, the Holy, is Holy Spirit power, and it is represented by Oil. So I'm going to read. start reading in verse 1 of 1 Samuel 16. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. How many know that's bad leadership in the church? <laughs> But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. In other words, the Lord uh, gave uh, uh, Samuel a sneaky way to get past Saul and get to anointing. How many know the Lord will always find a way? All right. He said, then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? <laughs> I think we could use a little more reverence in the church, you know. And then he said this, he said, Peaceably I have come to you to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourself and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Glory to God. I don't know about you, but I've got joy in rolling on me like crazy right now. Okay, verse 6. So it was when they came <laughs> that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For, the man, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the... Woo, somebody say praise the Lord. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. How many know all these brothers are going, oh, it's probably me. And it's just pass, 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 pass. People sometimes say, how come God picks who he picks? I don't know. He sees what I don't see. But I will tell you this. I'm sure glad he picked me. Woo-wee. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. How many know it's good to be careful if you're operating in the prophetic that you don't make something up? You just look at it and go, Uh-uh, it's none of these. I haven't heard from the Lord yet. There's a whole lot of making up going on. So he sent, and Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him. Now, why didn't he just bring them all?
We've got to be careful. He said, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. In other words, we're not going to do anything else until you get him here. Whew, I love this. So he sent and brought him, verse 12, in. Now he was ruddy, which means red. So if you're redheaded, praise the Lord, you're with David. <laughs> he had bright eyes and he was good looking. Come on, that's, that's awesome. Why even put that in there? The Lord doesn't look on the outward, but he apparently he was. Anyway, so, and the Lord said, arise, anoint him. In other words, don't do anything now, do it. For this is the one. Verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. So, <laughs> what if we had a, a service like that? In our little patty cake culture, oh, I can't believe he didn't choose me. Instead of rejoicing in God's choice and rejoicing that we get to be a part of the family, And the Spirit of the Lord, so he, he anoints him in the midst of his brothers. And what did he do? He poured oil on him, right? This is what I want you to see. The anointing is like oil, but what is it? It's the power of God. So let's look at this. He, he anoints him. He takes the horn of oil. He pours the oil on his head in the midst of the brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord did what? Came upon David from what? The anointing is the Holy Spirit within you when you're born again and the Holy Spirit that comes upon you for service. The anointing, and this is the definition, we'll end here. The anointing is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit within the believer and upon the believer. Now, you know what's so great? Under the Old Testament, the only ones anointed were the prophet, the priest, and the king. Do you know under the New Testament, you're a priest and a king? And I'm going to make another statement. There is a separate office of a prophet in the body of Christ, but the Spirit of God within you serves as the leader to your life. So watch this. You don't have to go to the prophet to get direction. I'm going to say this. I, I actually was listening to a, a particular minister a while back who stands in this office, and he was doing some teachings, teaching along this line of, of the prophetic and the prophet, and he said this. He said, he said, no matter what anybody tells you, and Brother Hagin taught us this over and over, so it could be he's reiterating what that was stated. But he no matter what anybody tells you, who do you, what do you follow more than anything? Holy Spirit within you. Doesn't matter what anybody says, what do you follow first? The written word and the Holy Spirit within you. Amen?
You say, why do you have to say that now? Because there's so much teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. And there's so much going on with the gifts of the Spirit. And I am not saying this to, uh, to badmouth any, any... We teach on the gifts of the Spirit. We've taught on around here. We've, we function. We just functioned in it. <laughs> it has nothing to do with that. But first and foremost, the leading of the Holy Spirit and the written word in your life are supreme. Everything else is secondary. Years ago, and uh, Judy, you can come. Years ago, we'll leave off there. Years ago, when I was down at Ramah, Brother Hagen was teaching. And he would say things like this. Every seven years or every 10 or whatever, he would give a time frame. And he would say, a new Jewish diet is going to come out in the church. He would say these things. He said, I've clocked them through the years. A new Jewish diet that's going to cure everything. Every ailment. Now, I'm not against, you know, sometimes for a charismatic church, it's real quiet on some of these things. <laughs> Did I pop your balloon or something? <laughs> I'm taking that, I'm going home. Every so many years, certain things will come about. And with any of them, it isn't necessarily that they're wrong. Like I've met people that they, they felt like the Lord told them, you need to change some areas of your diet, and it worked for them. Then I've met other people that tried to do it as a cure to something, and they ended up dying. So if it was the cure-all, why didn't it cure-all? The important, this is my point here. Right now, there's a strong emphasis, and there should be an emphasis on, especially because you, you'll have where the, the, the gifts of the Spirit seem to die in the church. They haven't died, but people don't operate them in as much because of leadership, whatever the reason may be. But then you'll have a surge of something will come up, and God will begin to emphasize something, like the office of the apostle recently, or the office of the prophet recently. But you do realize that, or the gifts of the Spirit, you do realize that none of these things are new. They've been going on for years. And, and, and what I noticed through the years in my own life is not that the Lord ever does away with things, but what He does and the tendency of the church or the tendency of people is we tend to glorify one thing in the Word and make that the thing. Right? So right now, offices of prophets are at a high level, right? Because God is, God, is God is moving in such a way to where he wants true prophetic voices to be voiced and heard in the body of Christ. But how many know in the midst of that, you always have those that are not functioning as they should, those who want position, or those who are trying things out in immaturity or youth in the spirit, and they really don't understand what they're doing. So for the safety of the body of Christ in general, as a whole, you individually, who and what is the primary leading in your life? It is the written word, and it is the spirit of God within your spirit. There is no voice that should be greater than those two. And you know I'm for having voices in your life and developed relationships with people in your life.
I was sitting somebody, with somebody the other day having breakfast, and they were sharing with me what the Lord had spoken to them about uh, 2021, 2022, and 2023. And as I was talking to them and they were sharing with me, they showed me and took me to the verses of Scripture that the Holy Spirit had spoken to them concerning each section of that, those years in their life. Guys, it was in the Old Testament. But yet, that word, because the Lord took it and breathed life into it for him individually, come on, it now is a stable foundation for the next. Now, he's going to have to hear something next because we're getting out of 2023. So hopefully the Lord speaks to him. I'm teasing. I know he will. So what is my point this morning, first and foremost? You are anointed. The anointing is the power of God or the Holy Spirit within you and upon you. And the voice that you need to listen to above all else. The others can be supplement. They can reinforce what the Lord is telling you. They can, uh, 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 they can strengthen and encourage you in things. But above everything else, you need to sit with your word and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the anointing, and allow him to speak to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't Judy anointed on those keys? Oh, my gosh. I could jump into things so fast. But I'm telling you. We individually and corporately in this church are going to increase in the anointing. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to give people an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ this morning. You know, sometimes people don't realize this. They think, well, I'm going to church. I'm going to make heaven. But the Bible doesn't say you make heaven by going to church. The Bible teaches that you have to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. John chapter 3, verse number 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but through the world, but that the world through him might be saved. People say, Well, I, I am going to church. Have you received Christ? You should go to church, but have you received Christ? Have you made a declaration of that truth in your life? The Bible says that all have sinned and sin causes separation from God. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible also says that heaven is a free gift, that you can't earn it or deserve it. Romans 6 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. We also know from Scripture, Romans 5, 8, and 9, that God wanted us brought back to Him in relationship with Him, that He sent Jesus. God demonstrated His love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We also know this, that forgiveness is a free gift, which we receive not of works, but through faith by trusting in Christ. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart 
that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You can receive uh, this gift today. You can place your faith in Jesus and receive God's gift of eternal life right now. If you'd like to receive Jesus, I'd like you to raise your hand where you're at so that I can acknowledge you and pray with you. So I'm just going to give a minute here. Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else want to join these? All right, would you help me uh, and join me in praying with these that have decided to receive Christ? Say this with me, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead so that I could receive forgiveness, become your child, and receive the gift of eternal life. I come to you now, repent of my sins, I not only receive your gift of forgiveness, but I give you all of my life and all of my heart. I believe you have accepted me because Jesus said, the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. You also said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you for saving me making me your child, helping me live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.